tuned in to Mastering Mitzvahs. Mastering Mitzvahs. A podcast focused on creating the perfect bar and bat mitzvah celebration. Offering tips, tricks, and trends to ensure an amazing event. Mastering Mitzvahs. From New Jersey's own explosive entertainment. Explosive entertainment. I know you're going to dig this. And here they are. Your hosts, Jordan Marshall and Mike Langser. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Mastering Mitzvahs. This is episode nine coming at you. Uh, today, Jordan is out sick, so you got myself, Michael Langsner, and one of my good friends, uh, somebody I went to college with, who has an incredible skill, an incredible talent, and I, I found out about it actually at a college um, uh, talent show, as a matter of fact. Uh, so... To get right into it, his name is David Crisero, and he is an incredible magician and mentalist. And uh, David, why don't you give us a little hello? How you doing, Mike? How's everybody doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm great, Dave. This is uh, awesome. This is such an honor to actually have you on the show here. No, I appreciate you inviting me. Did, did you, did we, we graduated the same year, right? 2000, just to show our age here? No, dude, I'm a little older than you. you... I graduated in 98. Uh, okay, okay. Do you remember? But that was that was the cool thing about Rowan is there wasn't a really big class discrepancy. Everyone sort of hung out together no matter what grade you were in. So it it definitely felt like we were in the same year. Yeah, no doubt. And do you remember this talent show that I'm referring to? I did a few of them uh, at Rowan, so I'm not I I don't remember exactly which one you're talking about because I did I did quite a few of them down there. Every anytime somebody had a talent show or a special event that they needed an MC for. I was sort of like one of the top, top go-to guys for that. So a lot of them sort of blend together by now. So, so for the listeners, I, I was you know DJing uh, David's fraternity parties back then, and I had no idea that you even did magic until that show and uh, kind of opened my eyes. And I, I knew at some point we'd cross paths again after graduation. And when I was uh, over in Kathmandu, the nightclub in Trenton, I, I knew I needed magic a couple times. I called you and, man, you've taken it to a whole other level. So... Why didn't you tell the listeners a little bit about you know how you got started, how long you've been doing this? Absolutely. So I got started when I was in high school. My father was a science teacher at our local high school. And one year, he took like a little night class in magic because he wanted to be able to teach this one specific science principle to his students. And he thought to himself, you know what? It's a little bit like magic. So he took this class and he used magic to be able to illustrate this science principle. And then he took a couple little props he bought, he put it in this small little trunk and had it in our basement. And almost like a cheesy Disney movie, one day I opened up this trunk, all these magic props were inside. It was almost like an orange light shining out of it, like in Pulp Fiction or something like that. And I just became obsessed with magic. So I started off getting this local books from the library, visiting some local magic shops, and it just kept growing and growing from there. How, how old are you then? Magic. So I was probably about 16, 15, 16 years old at the time. Okay. And uh, and it just kind of kept growing. And it became something that I really got interested in for a variety of different reasons, not just the performing side of things. But I loved what magic did. It gave me a sense of confidence. It helped me to network, to be able to talk to people, whether it was in performance or even outside of performance. And those things have helped sort of carry me through other stages of life. So, so what have been some of your, like, biggest shows or biggest uh, events that you've done? Sure. So, I mean, not only have I gotten to perform for tons of celebrities and perform for huge, huge corporate events, but several years ago, I got asked to do sort of like a mini tour of Japan. 
wow. where somebody was setting up this conference in Japan. They had a bunch of different things they wanted me to do there magic-wise. So they flew me over to Japan, and I spent about nine days there just getting to hang out and, and perform magic for people. Similarly, I did something in London, too, a few years prior to that. So the whole idea that this little thing that started off as a hobby, that started off as something I did in college, has taken me literally all around the world, and that's something that I do constantly now is, is absolutely mind-blowing in and of itself. Yeah, all because your dad was trying to teach a science experiment. Exactly. <laughs> he, he only knew. <laughs> that is so cool. That is really cool. Uh, any any highlights with any of the celebrities or like any any one moment that really is a standout moment in your career? You know what? It's, it's ironic because while it sounds great on a podcast or in a press release to talk about the celebrities I performed for from, you know, Yogi Berra to Rudy Giuliani to Dr. Ruth Westheimer, I mean, all of these really kind of cool celebrities, the reality is that I love what I do so much that a highlight is any time I get to take the stage, whether I'm doing one of the two off-Broadway shows in New York that I currently perform at, whether I'm performing at a country club for some big wig fundraiser and all these cool celebrities there, or whether I'm doing a, a, a random house party, you know, on, during during a holiday season. It it sounds cheesy, but it does not matter to me. I just love what I do so much. That is super cool. How, how many shows a week do you do typically? So it's, it, it's very, it really varies. Um, I would say in 2018, I did about 110 shows. Um, sometimes those shows are, like I said, this, these couple off-Broadway shows that I do. Other times on weekends, I'll try to, I'll end up cramming in three to four shows per day. Um, other times, I'm, you know, a week will go by that I won't perform. So it really sort of varies, but on average, I'm probably going at a little over 100 shows a year. Well, I, I, I know Project Grad season, you're like running from one to another at <laughs> 2 in the morning to 3 in the morning, and you're all over the place and no sleep. So, um, but see, that's, it's like I said, I love what I do so much. It's not, I've got, you know, it's a, fun, it's a job, but it's a fun job, and it's a job that gives me energy. It's a job that I, that I love to do more than anything else. So yeah. for me... While it sometimes is exhausting to start a project graduation at 11 p.m., finish at 2 a.m., drive to another one by 3 a.m., and perform till 5 a.m., I leave that 5 a.m. show, and I've got adrenaline going through me. I'm not that tired at that moment because it's just it's so cool what I get to do. And that's because you don't have to carry as much gear as we on the DJ I world do. Because no, we're, we're exhausted. I've watched, <laughs> I've watched you guys. I've watched you guys set up an event, and I walk in with a suitcase, and I feel bad. <laughs> I'm in the wrong career, I guess. So, so David, for the listeners out there, you got to give a, a definition. You know, there's different subcategories of magic, and I, I use the word mentalism a lot, and I might even be using it incorrectly. So, can you give us, you know, definition on what mentalism is versus regular magic or or any other category of magic? You know what? It's, it's extremely subjective. The reality is that magic tends to be a little tends to be things that could involve a variety of different. Um, supernatural, quote-unquote, supernatural elements. If something was to disappear, if something was to multiply, if something was to, things like that, that's more of the magic side. Whereas mentalism, it's a little bit more straightforward. It's a little bit more mind-reading. You know, there's less prop management. You won't see something necessarily disappear or recreate or reappear if you're doing mentalism. It really focuses on mind-reading and almost paranormal-type activities. Um, some people want a mentalist. They want that sort of unique uh, interpersonal connection between one and another person at their event. 
whereas other people look for things to be a little bit more light, a little bit more humorous, a little bit more funny, and they tend to side a little bit more on the magic side. With me, I can cover sort of both areas. So I'll show up to an event and I'll do a mix of magic and mentalism, or some people want me to take on a more serious role and I'll take along, you know, and I'll just sort of do pure mental, mental magic. Do you, do you know, walking into an event, like what, uh, I'll say, tricks up your sleeve, no pun intended, you're going to use? Or? Yeah. So um, for every one of the events that I do, I spend quite a bit of time preparing for it, making it very customized. So if somebody does hire me uh, through explosives for a bar or a bat mitzvah, I really take my time to make sure that I'm making it a very custom show to what it is they want. It's very often based on the number of people who are going to be there and how long they want me to perform for. So for a lot of the bar and bat mitzvahs that I do, for the weddings that I do, for the communions or the corporate events that I do, what I'll do is I'll structure it so that based on the number of people they have, am I just performing during the cocktail hour? Or am I performing in the cocktail hour and then also going over into the reception time? Now, if I'm going into the reception time, very often in that particular case, the DJ music is a little louder. People are, you know, people are sitting down at tables, so they're a little bit more cramped than they were, let's say, at the cocktail hour if they were walking around. So the magic needs to be able to be more customized to deal with the environmental factors. That makes that makes good sense. So one of the questions I wrote down, and believe it or not, I do a little bit of prep for these podcasts also. I, and I wrote down here, you know, it, how much time should a client consider for hiring musicians? Should it be just for cocktail hour? Do you think it should be during the reception? I, I have my thoughts, but I'm curious to hear yours. So I think the first thing to sort of step back and think to yourself is why am I hiring the magician in the first place? I mean, a lot. Hope you know. Thankfully, we're at a time right now where magic is really popular online. It's really popular on television. So a lot of people love the idea of having a magician at their event. I actually think it takes one step further beyond that, and people should consider some of the logistical advantages of having a magician at your cocktail hour. If you have other things, if you have a photo booth, if you have a caricature artist, if you have all these other different types of things, very often those will take up a certain amount of reach of space. So the, the, the person running the photo booth, running the special event, needs to have a certain amount of space dedicated to themselves, whereas the advantage to having a magician there is much more free range. I can flow in and out. I can be in different spots of the room, so you don't have to sort of set aside a certain amount of retail space specifically just for me. The second advantage that a lot of people really don't consider is if you're doing a bar about mitzvah and you've got 100 kids running around the place and they're taking part of all different activities, very often there's a percentage of those kids who are a little more shy, who are not going to be running up to take part in the photo booth or take part in the video games and things like that. Or maybe there are certain kids there who don't know as many other kids. They're not as friendly with every single person who's there. So those shy kids, those bashful kids, those kids who don't know everybody else, they tend to be a little bit more reserved and will sort of pull themselves to one corner. And we've all seen it spend the entire time on their phones. The advantage of having the magician is I can go to them. I can bring a certain level of energy or excitement to them and make it very personal. It's not something they have to put themselves in front of a group for. It's something that can happen just for them. Same thing with the adults. If people ask me to perform magic for the adults, when I walk around the cocktail hour, we all know at a typical bar bat mitzvah or at a, at a, a wedding, you know, you've got, your, you've got the mother and father's family. You have the mother and father's friends. You have the mother and father's clergy. And every once in a while, there'll be the mother or father's coworkers 
which may be a group of four or six people who know each other, but they don't know everybody else. They're not friends with everybody there. They're not family with everybody there. So those people tend to also sort of stick to themselves or stay in one spot. Again, I can bring the magic to them. Mm -hmm. I can bring the other people into this group and do magic that's a little bit bigger. So now all of a sudden, everyone's laughing together. Everyone's interacting with each other. It brings up the energy level of the whole group, and it gets them meeting other people and gets them out of that sort of bashful, shy, reserved space. I mean, your, your craft really is the ultimate icebreaker, like no doubt about it. Really it really is. So it really is. It gets people talking and gets them having a good time. At our average party, uh, or co- you know, commonly we're about 180 guests or so for a bar about mitzvah. Uh, do you feel confident that you could touch 180 guests in a 60-minute cocktail hour? You know what? It's tough. It really is tough. So here's the thing: in a typical 180-person event, if I have 60 minutes in that 180-person event, there's going to be a percentage of people there who don't want to see the magic. Not because they don't think the magic is great, not because they're not enjoying it, but because maybe it's somebody's Aunt Helen who this is, you know, this is all of her family in one spot. She wants to talk to everybody. So while she's de- while she would definitely enjoy the magic, the reality is that she's walking around saying hello to people, catching up on everyone's lives and using it as a rich as a much more social social event. So I don't necessarily say I have to hit all 180 of those people. Of the 180 that are there, it's probably about 160 who would benefit or really enjoy seeing the magic. And to try to do that in an hour is tough. I can definitely do it, but it tends to be one, two tricks, quickly move on. One, two tricks, quickly move on. So, and what you'll often see at events like this is when I'm doing magic for people and then I walk away, those people will follow, follow me. You, or they'll yeah. watch where I'm going and they'll come over to see a little bit more. I've seen so that any too. Any opportunity that I have to, to kind of expand the number of hours just gives me more time to make sure everybody gets to enjoy it. I, I personally love when, when you do magic for cocktail hour and then you do the the mealtime, whether it's a lunch or a dinner. So, you know, there there is, after cocktail hour, usually about an hour of formalities, a grand entrance, the, the blessing of the bread, the wine, the candle lighting, um, where, you know, the magic might interfere a little bit if the focus is on the dance floor. But after that, we send everybody to their seats and it's time to have, a you know, their meal. And I, I actually think... Tableside magic is really a, a very cool option um, at that point, too. Absolutely. And again, it allows me to be able to interact with everybody one more time. Those who saw it at the cocktail hour get to get excited again. Oh, here he comes. You got to show my friend Bob what you did before. That was amazing. And it kind of, you know, it, it shoots another little extra jolt in there. Right, right. The other, thing, the other thing to really consider, too, is very often the mother and father of the bar about Mitzvah Boy or the mother and father of the groom or the bride you know, they're like the mayor, like everybody in that party wants to walk over, say congratulations and say hello. And often I'll see the mother and father feel like they're constantly being pressured. They feel like they're constantly going, okay, I got to go to this person next and this person next. Look, they're all waiting for me. Whereas instead having that bit of entertainment during the cocktail hour, now all of a sudden the mother or father or the bride and groom can look over and go, look, all my guests are being entertained. I don't feel the pressure to run over to every single person. And who knows, maybe even, God forbid, get themselves a plate of food and a drink to have, you know, to enjoy. They're paying for this. Right. They might as well enjoy it, too. It, and having that entertainment gives them that flexibility. It, that, that's why everyone says their parties fly by. They don't even remember it because they're so busy talking yeah. to people. So, so David, in the, in the world of entertainment where we come from on the DJ side, it takes pretty much nothing to call yourself a DJ. And we, we talk about that often with our clients, like, you go out and download some music of iTunes, get a set of speakers, and you call yourself a DJ, and you know you start charging two or three hundred dollars a gig, and you know then there's a lot of different 
iterations of that and then there's the professional level that we're on and you know a, a lot of our peers are on i assume the same thing happens in the magic world so how does a client you know ideally if they're calling us an explosive they're going to hire magic through us we're going to call you or somebody of your level but if a client were just to you know start googling magic how do you some tips for them to find the right person that's not going to embarrass them that's a great point because the reality is that, you know, you hit a key sentence right there, which is not going to embarrass them. You know, you're paying quite a bit of money for your bar about mitzvah. You're paying a lot of money for your events. The last thing you need is somebody to come in and not be a professional and to embarrass you in front of your friends and family on arguably one of the most important days of your life. So really the key thing to look for are the credentials. Step away for a second when it comes to the flashy video, the flashy promo reel, the really cool-looking interactive website. Step back for a minute and look for the credentials. Where has this person performed before? Have they performed a lot of corporate events? If they perform a lot of corporate work, then you know that there's somebody that's good at representing a brand. I, I do a lot of corporate events throughout the course of a year, and I have Fortune 500 companies coming to me and hiring me again and again because they know I'm going to show up professionally, I'm going to have everything buttoned up, and I'm going to be able to represent their brand in a positive way, which is essentially what you're looking for at this particular event. You want somebody who's going to not do dirty jokes. You want somebody who's not going to be insulting to your guests. And you want somebody who can be relaxed, comfortable, having a good time, and making sure that the number one priority is their guests being entertained. So what I always say is look for credentials. Where are they performing? How often are they performing? And who are they performing for? So that's much more important than Googling New Jersey magician and calling the first two websites that pop up. Right. Now, not to get into your specific pricing, but is there a price range that you would say, you know, starting here or better at least is, uh, you know, somebody that is, is, is worth their time? I, I mean, I, I might not be wording that correctly, but like I know if, if a bar mitzvah DJ says, oh, I'll do DJ bar mitzvah, I'm $1,200 and I'm going to bring dancers and lights and TVs, there's a problem. It's way too cheap. Is, it, is there a way too cheap, you feel? There is. A, there's definitely a way too cheap. Um uh, there's unfortunately a lot of websites out there where uh, people can almost bid on events. So somebody goes on and says, I have a party coming up. I want a magician for one hour. And then magicians themselves will say, I'll do it for 200 I'll do it for 300 I'll do it for $50. I'll do it for 175 Obviously, if you're spending considerable on considerable amount of money on your bar about mitzvah, the area to not try to reduce your, your expenses is the guy who's going to be almost quite literally interacting with every single one of your guests. Right. So what I what I always say is go out there and get a bunch of different prices, and if one or two of them really seem too good to be true, there is no doubt there's a reason for that. Um, by no means do you have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars for a magician, but at the same time, if you, somebody says they're going to do a couple of hours for you and they're going to charge two to three hundred dollars in total. That should be a red flag that this is probably not the kind of person you want representing you to all of your guests. Certainly, I, I mean, I, I know these websites that you're talking about, and, and you know, Groupon is you know another problem. Also, uh, do you deal with Groupon in your realm too? Not that often. No, no I, like photo booths, Groupon is is a big thorn in our side. You know, uh, where guys are doing it for a third of you know a typical price on Groupon. Uh, just to kind of get their name out there and get a business started. Um, so, so I want to have a little fun, Dave. Do you have a, a favorite trick? Like, you know, one thing that you do that just 
blows everybody's mind every single time? I've got a few different things that I like to do when I really want to bring out the, the heavy hitters. And with the kind of magic you're going to see me do, it's not very uh, – uh, it's extremely personal to the person I'm working for. So a lot of my magic is extremely hands-off. I don't do a lot. And that's you know often the, my favorite kind of reactions that I get from people. So, for example, if I take your cell phone and just by reading your mind, I'm able to figure out what your passcode is and unlock your phone. If somebody – writes their name on a playing card, squeezes it between their hands, and I step six feet away, hold up a separate playing card, and just in the blink of an eye, all of a sudden it changes to the one that's in, that was trapped in your hands a moment ago. Those are the types of tricks where when the spectator watching me steps back, the reaction I often get is, but you didn't do anything. <laughs> and it's their mind wrestling with the idea of, well, if I saw you go to your pocket or if I saw your sleeves were pulled down, maybe I could make an explanation, but I didn't see you do anything. The cell phone so one is my favorite. I, I, I guess because the day and age we live in and, and how everyone's so into their cell phones, that one just blows my mind. I've seen you do that many times. and I'm, I'm, I'm dying to know how you do it. <laughs> it's one of the things that really gets the best reaction. It's awesome. Now, if you could only make these phones disappear at these parties, we'd be so set. <laughs> Well, that's the irony of it, is that I'll often have parents will come to me and say, yeah, listen, really, you know, entertain the kids, and we don't want to see these kids on their phones the whole, the whole time, which makes perfect sense. So sometimes I'll do magic that uses their phone. Now, all of a sudden, it's not that device that they're just staring into, but there's a magical moment happening with something that's obviously important to them, and it makes it really memorable. It helps, it helps your event to stand out from the other dozen bar and bat mitzvahs that these kids are attending a year. No doubt. You know, one of the other favorites I've seen you do a bunch of times where you have the two kids sitting next to each other and you tap one on the shoulder while the other one, you know, raises his hand or her hand to, you know, if and they're not even being touched and they, they could feel which shoulder you're touching on the other person. It blows my mind. Yeah, it's really creepy. And that's another great example of the kind of trick that makes magic a little bit bigger. In a situation like that, I'm not doing it for one person. I'm doing it for two kids, and I have, or, or even two adults, and I have them stand up. I have everybody make a big circle around us, and we do it that way. And, again, that's something that draws attention. When you do that trick and everyone starts freaking out, everybody in the cocktail hour turns to see what's going on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a spectator moment, no doubt. Very much so. Do you, do you have any favorite magicians or, like, inspiration, like anybody we would know and, like uh... – like the Chris Angels or the David Copperfields, you know, the guys that are publicly known on TV? I mean, you know, David, Go David Copperfield is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time, in my opinion. He's the one who ushered this in for so many of us. David Blaine sort of comes into play there as well. There were a lot of other really great magicians on TV during the 90s and 2000s. Harry Anderson was a big one. Ricky Jay was a fantastic magician. Even the guy who just won uh, America's Got Talent, Chin Lin. He's a great guy. I know him. He's a, he's a super guy, really creative, and uh, he's representing magic in a really great way. That's awesome. Right, so, so you're you're for the uh, the publicity of it, not uh, not opposed to it. No, not. I mean, it's it, it's personal. It's not something I really need or want, so that's fine with me. But those who do want that, those who do want to have that Vegas stage show, I think it's a great opportunity for those guys. And I'm I'm always happy when I see the magicians who I respect and who I think are really representing magic well, getting more successful. And that's that's what he is. That's awesome. And you're part of a, a network of magicians, so you, you know a lot of the guys in the industry. 
I do. I mean, I'm lucky. We have a very tight community, and, and I've surrounded myself with a lot of really quality magicians who know what they do and who represent themselves really well. And that's the nice thing, is that if somebody wants to hire me for a bar or bat mitzvah and I'm not available, I know there's three to four or five, six other guys that I can call, and if they're available, I know they'll represent that client with the same type of quality and, and sophistication that I would. Awesome. So, so Dave, you know, um, you're, you're our first guest in a different realm other than being an entertainer or a venue manager. We, we've had a, a past client, um, but we, we've asked every one of our guests so far if they have any tips to share with anybody planning a bar about mitzvah or really any event for that, that matter. I mean, you, you're at events week after week after week. Do you have any tips that you would give to a listener? The one thing I think I would say is understand that the people that you're talking to, whether it's a magician or whether it is a DJ or something like that, odds are we've worked the venues that you are going to or that you're shopping around at a lot. And we know a lot of some of the ins and outs, some of the little tricks that help making even the venue purchasing um, a little bit easier to do. So rack our brains. Ask us questions. Again, you asked earlier on um, about the idea of potentially looking at magicians who are lower quality or who aren't charging as much, you know, things to look out for. Ask the person where they've performed in terms of the venues in the area. Ask if they've ever performed at the venue you're having your bar about mitzvah. If they have, ask their opinion about it. I know I've done, God, there are so many catering halls and banquet halls and, and elegant hotel uh, rooms, ballrooms in the North Jersey, New, you know, New York area, and I guarantee I performed at 90% of them, and those 90% I've probably done a dozen times each. Mm -hmm. So I know the specifics around it. And if you talk to somebody, whether it's a DJ, a singer, uh, other form of entertainment, a magician, they should know those things too. If they've never been to the Crystal Plaza in New Jersey, if they've never been to the Florentine Gardens, if they've never been there, well, then they don't, maybe they're not, they don't have the expertise that they might be claiming or that you might think. So really, Ask those questions. Ask those questions outside of the realm of, let's say, just magic to me. Ask me about where else I've performed. Ask me about some of the nuances about it. Ask me what DJs I've worked with. <laughs> Ask me how the food is at these places. I should know those things if I have that level of expertise. You, you know what? I, I never thought we'd have so many parallels in our industries, but I, when clients ask us, you know, one of the first things, I, I asked them, I said, where, where's your event going to be? And you, know, you just said Crystal Plaza, so it's a good example. We we were literally just fielded a call in the office about a half hour ago for an event that's going to be at Crystal Plaza. And instantly we start talking about the venue, the space, how we've used it before. Um, when we get off the phone with yep. the client, we'll send emails of pictures of events that we've done in that space. Um, so so that's really neat. And, and Dave, you, you touched on something before. I just want to circle back. Um, you know, going in line with venues, but... I think you used the word environment and, you know, how loud a space is or, you know, what other things are going on around the surroundings. Are there things that clients should be cautioned on if they're considering bringing magic into their event? So interestingly enough, magic is probably one of the bigger things that one of the, the unique pieces of entertainment that you, again, assuming you hire the right person, you don't have to worry too much about because that person should have the flexibility to be able to deal with any environmental challenges that present themselves. So if all of a sudden, if you want to say, listen, uh, you know, the cocktail hour, uh, the cocktail room is kind of small and then it gets really big, is that a problem? The magician is the guy who should be able to say, no, it's not because I can play small or I can play big. 
I don't have to be confined to one area. I can move around. I don't need a lot of space. That's one of the really that's one of the really nice things about, about the close-up magic at your event is you don't have to worry about some of those environmental issues that I talked about, assuming the magician has the experience and knows how to handle those situations. Um, I, I did an event once. I did a, a bar mitzvah one time, and it was at a very small, like, little Elks Club kind of lodge, and not a ton of people. And the person who hired the DJ, the DJ had never done a bar mitzvah before and didn't really know how to run the candle lighting even at the moment that they started the candle lighting. Oh, God. So I, I stepped up and I helped them run it in that moment. <laughs> now, I only do that because I've done 100 bar mitzvahs in the last couple of years. So I know how to run those things, whereas the DJ didn't because this person just went for the DJ that was the cheapest price and who maybe said, sure, I could do a bar mitzvah, not knowing there were certain ceremonial aspects of it that they needed to factor in. Oh, man. So if you hire the right magician, they should have no problem with environmental factors that come into play. If you're, if, if the ceremony's running long and the cocktail hour is going to start a little late, the magician should be the guy or girl who's standing there and saying, no problem, I'm ready to go the minute those guests walk in. That should be the, like, you know, the least uh, anxiety part of the, of the entire night for you. That's funny. I, you know, I, I guess I bring up the question because I, I worked with the magician several years back, and it was, it was a different scenario because it was a stage show, and I, I'm sure that plays a whole different factor. But he was very. Mike, you cheated on me. How dare you? Mike? Uh, you cheated on me with another magician. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but I remember he specifically, you know, he said to the wait staff they couldn't serve food during his show. Yep. The background music needed to be off during that show. He's very specific on the seating. So I guess being a stage show, it's different. Well, yes and no. I mean, listen. There's no doubt about it that there's certain elements of a really large scale stage show. You and I have done events before, and I've done stage shows for you, and I've specifically designed my show so that it doesn't have to have as many of those restrictions in it. Yes, I would prefer the white staff doesn't walk around and serve food and interfere. I would prefer the music is off, but I also need to understand that depending on the situation, I might not be able to do that, or it might be a real problem to do that in the course of the entire you know, agenda of the event. So again, hire the right magician with enough experience who might be able to make adjustments on the fly and it wouldn't ruin the entire show. Makes great sense. Uh, Dave, I, I'm, I think we should probably wrap up pretty soon. Do you have anything you'd like to add any listeners, anything I didn't think to ask you that you want to give us info on? No, the biggest thing I just want everyone to understand is that, you know, magic really brings a unique form of entertainment for an event. It's a lot of things people don't think about, as I mentioned earlier on. The idea that we can bring up the energy level of the room, we can engage some of the younger kids or even some of the adults who don't know as many people there as they thought, and really give the mom and dad, the bride and groom, whoever it may be, time to be able to, to enjoy themselves a little bit. That's the thing that a lot of my clients turn to me the next day. I'll get a lot of emails and phone calls the next day, and they'll say, you were a huge hit? Wow, it really changed what we thought things were going to be like. It wasn't what we expected. So I, take that time, find the right magician, whether it's me or somebody else, find the right magician, and I guarantee your guests are going to love it. I, I know that I get rave reviews every time you're out, and on any type of event, people are, you know, they expect good, but they're blown away, like top to bottom. And, and your story, Dave, Dave, being able to jump in and do a candle lighting, that just blows my mind that, you know, uh, 
the, the situations that you, we all run into and, you know, when you're a real professional, the things that you get called upon to kind of save the day. It's awesome. Sometimes that happens. So anytime that, you know, when you have the right magician who's had that experience before, that's where you're going to see the value of your money. If you want to know why you're spending X amount of dollars, it's so that you don't have to worry about those types of things on arguably one of the most important days of your life. Man, it's crazy. So great information. For the listeners out there, uh, you could always hire David through Explosive Entertainment at xeevents.com. But David, I'd love for you to share some of your own uh, personal website and contact info if anybody would like to chat with you directly. Absolutely. You can just go to davidcorsaro.com, D-A-V-I-D-C-O-R-S-A-R-O. Or you can go to timetobeawesome.com. And it'll still, still take you to my website. You can check out some fun videos there. You can see that resume that I put up there, showing the types of corporate events or special occasions that I've done before. And then give Mike a call and let's make this happen. Awesome. And do you have any, um, uh, like a, a calendar of your upcoming shows that people could see you at that your are public shows? Yep. On the website, you'll see a calendar of all my events, including the two off-Broadway shows that I'm part of in New York City as well as some other public shows I'm doing coming up in Sparta, New Jersey, in Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania, and a few other areas. Awesome. David, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. For all the listeners, we hope you got some great content here. And uh, again, we're Explosive Entertainment, xeevents.com. David Crisero, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, buddy. And we'll do this again next week with uh, an all-new guest. Thanks for tuning in, all.